All right. Well, uh, good afternoon, everyone. Thank you, Harry. Thank you, O2. Uh, Harry, it is great to have you on board. It's been uh, fantastic to have Harry joining our team this week. And uh, it's exciting that already at this early stage in our church planting journey, having our church just a, a few months old, we're able to begin adding staff members already. So uh, we're delighted to have Harry with us. Um, Guys, it's good to be back with you. Uh, I've been away for the last couple of weeks with my family on holiday. It's been a great time. We've been enjoying uh, resting and chilling out. Um, I want to give a big shout out and a big thank you, particularly to O2, to Malk and to Caleb, who really uh, steered the good ship Trinity uh, really well over the last few weeks. So thank you guys for doing that. It's a privilege to serve as part of the team with you guys. Um, I'm really excited. Uh, that we are starting the book of Ephesians today, this new series. Um, just to place uh, Ephesians for those of you who may not be aware, Ephesians is a book that is found in the New Testament. It was written by a guy, uh, one of the apostles, Jesus' apostles, a guy called Paul. Uh, we think it was written sometime around AD 62, um, and it's written to a church in the city of Ephesus, which is uh, a city that's found uh, in what is now modern-day Turkey. And for many, many Christians throughout the centuries, it has been a huge source of encouragement as they have seen and understood God's story and their place in it. Um, so I, I've been praying uh, for us that over the next 12 weeks, uh, we will hear God's voice clearly to us and uh, that we will uh, know something of that encouragement as we spend time unpacking the book of Ephesians together. So if you have a Bible, do keep it open at Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, and as I always do before uh, I preach, let me pray for us and uh, let's ask God's help in this time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are good to us. We uh, have sung songs of worship together today. We have sung songs of praise. And now, Lord, as we come to your word, help us to listen carefully to what you would say to us. Thank you for this amazing passage of scripture. Thank you for uh, what you say to us in it. And we all need the help of your spirit now. Um, we ask that uh, you would speak to us, Holy Spirit, and uh, help us to see the glory and the goodness of Jesus and also how we should respond in faith and obedience. We ask these things in your name. Amen. So we have uh, entitled our sermon series, Ephesians, Our Story. Um, and the reason we've done that is that uh, the book of Ephesians essentially is split into two halves. Uh, in the first half, the Apostle Paul unpacks the gospel story. Um, he spends time explaining what the good news of the Bible actually is. And then in the second half of the book, he spends time uh, showing how that story practically shapes how we are to live in all kinds of different ways. And there is an assumption there that this story, the story that God tells us in the Bible, is the story that makes sense of our lives and gives us a shared purpose and comfort. We, we love stories, don't we? All of us. Uh, whether it's on screen or in print from the Avengers to Great Expectations, uh, the news through to we're going on a bear hunt. Uh, our lives are filled with stories and we love to tell stories. I, um, I was reflecting on that this week. I remember uh, when Jack, my eldest, told his first ever story. 
we were, um, uh, uh, we were putting him to bed one evening and, and every night we read him a story from the Bible. And Jack was three years old at the time and he said to me, he said, Daddy, I'm going to do the Bible story tonight. Which was interesting because he couldn't read at that stage. And so I was like, okay, all right, let's, let's see where this one goes. And so this is the first story that Jack ever told. He goes like this. He said, so there's God and there's Jesus. And uh, Jesus fell into a hole and God couldn't get him out. And there's sharks in the hole and ah! the end. Now, <laughs> I remember at that point in time being like, well, I felt two things. First of all, I was really proud of Jack. I was like, man, he has just constructed his first story. It had a, a, a definite beginning in which he sets the context really well. The, the middle of the story has this pro plot progression, tension builds, and then there is a, a clear resolution to the plot line. And in fact, he even leaves open um, some, some degree of interpretation as to what happens so that the audience can kind of like uh, engage in the story themselves. That was the good side. O on the flip side, I think Jesus had just been eaten by sharks. So um, uh, it, it, it was an interesting moment. But I think it shows that for all of us, uh, as human beings, we are storytellers. We love to tell stories. And, and stories are not just things that entertain us. Uh, they shape our worldview. They help us make value judgments on what is important. For example, don't fall into a hole filled with sharks. Uh, they help us make sense of our lives. They answer the biggest questions we have. Who am I? What's my purpose? Where do I gain my value? Now, one of the interesting things over the past 50 years or so that has happened in our society is that we have moved away from the idea that there, that there is one shared story that defines all of us. To the extent that most of us today believe that we write our own story. I'm sure that's not a phrase that you are unfamiliar with. We, we, we write our own story. We, we provide our own meaning to our lives. And for many people, the idea that someone else writes their story for them is an idea that needs to be opposed. So a lady called uh, Ginny Rometty, she is the first woman CEO of the, uh, the computer giant IBM. She is famous for saying, don't let others define you, you define yourself. Psychologists refer to the danger of letting other people uh, define you and write your story. It's often seen as oppressing our sense of autonomy and individuality. And so our world and our city here in Manchester is filled with people attempting to write their own story. Perhaps one of the most obvious places we see this is Instagram. How do you tell people about what is happening in your life that day? You post a story. You frame what is going on in your life as narrative. But here's the thing. Is Ginny Rometty right? Is self-definition really the best thing for us? Do we really need to be the ones who tell our own story? Can we not trust that anyone else would tell a better one? You see, if she is right, then we'd expect to find a society full of self-confident, self-fulfilled people who love who they are and find deep meaning and purpose in what they do. 
But the reality is that so many of us live with a profound sense of meaninglessness. We hear all the time of social media influencers whose lives look so perfect on our computer screens but are actually deeply flawed and unbroken. And if we reflect on it personally, we know that actually our lives are similar. The story we want to write for ourselves just doesn't cut it. We all want to be the perfect parent, the successful career person, the popular one, the beautiful one. But we know deep down inside that we're coming up short. That there's more to life than this. That our, our story, the one that we ourselves write for ourselves, is not really the one we want to be living. And so we, we come to Paul's letter to the Ephesians today, where Paul shares a different kind of story. A story that claims to provide the answers that we long for regarding our identity, our purpose, and our value. But it's a story that's not written by us. A story, frankly, that's not even primarily about us. But a story that becomes ours by the grace and kindness of God alone. So let's take a look at Ephesians chapter 1. And I have just one big idea for you guys uh, to try and summarise uh, what it is that we are being invited into this afternoon. And the idea is this. In Ephesians 1, we are to embrace being an extra in God's story. Embrace being an extra in God's story. You, you, know what, you guys know what I mean by uh, an extra, right? It's... The person in the back of the scene who has no lines. You might, if you're lucky, get in shot for about two seconds. If you're really lucky, you might be the one who gets squashed by the alien before the hero runs in to rescue the city. Um, more than likely, you're just walking or you might be sat at a table in the restaurant providing zero contribution to the storyline. Uh, you're basically a breathing part of the set, which makes embracing being an extra kind of difficult for most of us because most of us I, I go as far as to say all of us believe deep down it, that we are the star in our very own movie our life is a blockbuster or at least a romantic comedy, or perhaps some dark gritty HBO tra uh, tragedy but the central character is me or you. The person who's picking up the best actor at the, at the Universe Awards is definitely going to be us. Uh, we'll probably also collect best original screenplay, best director, okay, maybe not best picture, but we should probably be nominated for that too. Why would you want to be an extra in someone else's story rather than the star of your own? But Paul is very clear from, from the first words in this letter that the story that he is living in and the story that he is inviting us into is not ours. We don't write it. We don't star in it. It's God's story. God is its author from beginning to end, down to the very smallest details. So in verse 4, if you just scan your, your eyes down for a moment, Paul tells us that God was acting before the creation of the world. 
That's when this story starts. In verse 10, he tells us that at the end of time, God will bring his purposes to fulfillment. That's when the story ends. And in verse 11, uh, we, we see that he works out everything, everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. And that includes, verse 1, what Paul himself is doing at this very moment. So Paul says, Paul, an apostle, which means sent messenger, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. So Paul is telling this story, he is writing this letter because God first willed it. God wrote it into the story that Paul would be doing this right now. God has authored the story of our universe from beginning to end and its grand storyline to the smallest details in our lives. We are not the writer of this story and neither are we its central character. The central character of God's story, of history, which is what we're talking about in Ephesians chapter 1, is Jesus himself. In these first 14 verses, Jesus is referred to 16 times. What does that tell us? It tells us a bunch of things, but first and foremost, it tells us history, this story that Paul is telling, is not about us. It is about him. And more than that, God's story is not primarily for us. This can be uh, difficult to get our heads around because I think sometimes in evangelical Christian, we've got used to the Christianity, we've got used to the idea that, that God is kind of like some lovesick teenager who's just desperate for us because really the most important thing in the world is us. Let's note together, why does God do all that he does? Why does he write the story of history the way that he does? Well, Paul tells us three times there is a repeating phrase there in verses 6, verse 12, and verse 14. God does all things for the praise of his glory. The goal of history is the worship of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's his story. Jesus is its central character, and it all exists in order that we, his creation, would see his glory and praise him for it. You know, that is, that's a lot different to the narrative I see on, on my social media feed. That's a lot different, honestly, to what I hear from myself as I try and tell my story and interpret my own life. I get cross when things don't go my way. I get frustrated when my plans don't work out. I feel depressed and anxious when I worry about my future. There's a lot of focus on me right there because I, I'm thinking that this story is all about me. So why should we embrace being an extra in God's story? Why should we enter wholeheartedly into this story, allowing it to define our identity, our purpose, and our value? Well, I think the answer is, and, and this is important, so, so, so listen carefully with me for a moment. If, if I've lost you already, zone back in just, just for a moment. This is important because in God's story, we receive everything that we are searching for elsewhere and more. Let me say that again. In God's story, 
even as extras, we receive everything we are searching for elsewhere and more. That is a huge claim, so let me unpack that. The promise here for us, uh, uh, for, the, for the Ephesians and for us today, if we will receive it, is that God holds nothing back from us. Look down with me there in verse 3. It says, He has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. What, what I think Paul is saying there is that, that God is spirit. He dwells in the spiritual realm, the heavenly realm. And from heaven, there is no blessing that, that belongs to God that he holds back from the Ephesians and for those who belong to Jesus. But, but here's the qualifier. And, and this is huge. The reason God holds nothing back from them is not because they're awesome It's not because they're great. It's not because they've earned the right to receive from him. It's not because they've become the hero of the story and therefore they deserve something good. The reason that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places is because we are in Christ. Now let's talk about that for a moment. For Paul, the phrase in Christ is the primary way that he defines the Christian life. You might think the word Christian would be the most, uh, most used word in the New Testament to describe those who follow Jesus. It's not even close. Not even close. By far, the way in which the New Testament authors understand uh, themselves and those who follow Christ is this phrase, in Christ. Paul uses it multiple times here in our passage. So what does it mean? Well, to some degree, there is is mystery in this term. Most of you are uh, sat there watching this in in your home right now. And we can get that, okay? We are located inside the four walls of our house. We are in our house. But what does the New Testament mean when it says that the believer is in Christ? Well, to be in Christ is to be united to Jesus, to be joined to him, to be connected to him in relationship in such a way that what is true for Jesus is true for us. To the extent that God the Father will act towards those in Christ in just the same way as he will act towards his divine son himself. God the Father will view those in Christ in just the same way as he views Jesus himself. God the Father will love those in Christ and bless those in Christ in just the same way that he loves and blesses his only begotten Son with whom he has dwelt in in perfect unity since eternity past. This is how God's story, Jesus' story, becomes our story. This is how we enter into it. We are found in Christ. And when we are found in Christ, God the Father holds nothing back from us. Isn't that amazing? He holds nothing back from us. That is an amazing truth 
for those of us who are in Christ today, who belong to Jesus, who call ourselves Christians and his disciples. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter how you feel, God right now withholds nothing from you because you are found in his son. During our holiday in the lakes, we went into the Lake District, our family visited Aero Force. Some of you may have been there. It is a uh, 70-foot waterfall just above Ullswater. There's a picture of it uh, that will be on the screen now. And uh, we, we climbed up with two small boys as well. It's a little bit of a climb, but they did pretty well. They, 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 they did all right walking up. We, we climbed up and stood beneath it. And we felt the thundering power of this vast amount of water gushing from its source to the deep plunge pool below. It was an awesome sight. And as I read verses 3 to 14 this week, Ephesians 1, that is what they reminded me of. Some of you know that as, a Paul, as Paul originally wrote this, uh, this part of the Bible, verses 3 to 14 are just one single complex sentence. Thankfully, we have translators who have uh, broken it down for us a little bit so that we can, we can kind of hang in there. But as Paul begins to unpack what it means to be in Christ, as he begins to tell the gospel story, out pours from him this torrent of truth. That's, that's what Ephesians 1 is. It's Paul not pausing for breath, unleashing this theological waterfall of glory and praise. You see, to begin to embrace being an extra in God's story means, if you'll forgive the mixing of the metaphors, that we need to ride the waterfall. We need to be swept away by this incredible story of praise and glory. So let's, let's do that together for a moment. Uh, what are the blessings of being in Christ? And I'm going to move quite quickly through these. Bear in mind that the rest of Ephesians takes time to unpack and apply each of these. And so we, we over the next few weeks, will constantly be returning to some of these truths that I'm just going to touch on uh, just for a moment. Because frankly, <laughs> we have 30 minutes here. You don't want me to do six hours of unpacking. And, and it, we could easily spend that time if we wanted to. But let's just take a look briefly at what it means, what, what are the blessings of being in Christ. First, look with me there in verses 4 and 5. The Father chose us in Christ before the creation of the world. What were you doing before the creation of the world? Nothing. Neither was I. We didn't exist. But what was God doing? He was choosing you. Before you even were, you were in Christ. You may just be an extra in the story, but God loved you. There in verse 5, in love he predestined you. God did these things because he loved you in eternity past. And some people uh, have uh, struggled to see, uh, to talk and think about predestination. They say, where does it rock up in the New Testament? Well, one of the places it, it turns up is right here. We were predestined. You have a destiny that has been set for you by God 
himself. Before the world began, nothing will keep our God from fulfilling his destiny and his purpose in you. Completing a work that began in eternity past. So, you're chosen in Christ before the creation of the world. Second, we see again in verse 4, he chose you to, in Christ to be holy and blameless. We were set apart for God. We, we, were, we were chosen to be his possession, to be blameless, righteous, upright, pure. God did not choose you to remain in sin and rebellion. He chose you to be holy. Because he chose you in Christ, he chose you to become like Jesus. Like the one you are united with. So many Christians seem happy to profess faith and yet remain living as they always have been. That is not what God's purpose is for your life. Before the creation of the world, he chose you to be holy and blameless in his sight. Don't settle for sin. Look to God to see his purpose of holiness work out in your life. Thirdly, verse 5, he predestined you in Christ for adoption to sonship. God takes the extras in his story and makes them his family. Today, right now, he delights in you as his child. Just as much as the father delights in his son, so he delights in you if you are found in him. More than that, um, there may be some of you who are, who are asking the question, well, why adoption to sonship? Why not adoption to sonship and daughtership? Why not the girls? Well, the reason that Paul uses sonship here particularly, rather than just talking about children generally, is that it carries with it the connotation of inheritance. In the ancient world, sons inherited the father's estate. So God, in love, before you did anything, before you existed, in creation, before creation, in eternity past, God chose to share what belonged to him and his son in his spirit with you. All of it. Everything that he has is now ours because we are adopted as beloved heirs and sons. That, that's, you know... Amazing. That is how God loves you. That is how God loves those who are in Christ. Fourthly, verse 7. Let's see this. In Christ, God paid the price to free you from slavery to sin. You know, it's not like we were just innocent bystanders as extras. Uh, our sins, our rebellion against God placed us under the eternal penalty of death. They made, it made us his enemies. But that price was paid. The story of the gospel centers on this one moment when Jesus Christ redeems those who belong to him through the price of his blood. He buys us back from the penalty of sin. Jesus himself died for us. And therefore, fifthly, in Christ, our sins are forgiven. 
United with Jesus, he took our sins on himself, becoming sin for us and destroying our sin in his body by his death on the cross so that our relationship with God can be restored. I hope you're hanging with me. I mean, not just swimming now, but let's keep going because I've got two more of these that Paul, uh, we're not even done yet. Six, verse 10. God revealed to us in this story, in this gospel story, the mystery of his will in Christ. We know now what God is going to do. We know what he wants and what he will achieve. He will bring everything, it says there in in verses 10 and 11, everything in heaven and on earth into submission to Jesus. Jesus will reign over all. That is where history is headed. That is where this story ends with every knee bowed and every tongue confessing that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. And in anticipation of that day, seventh, we read in verses 13 and 14 that God sealed those in Christ with his spirit. We enjoy today, now, a foretaste of what life will be as we experience God in us and God with us changing and transforming us by his spirit to become what we will be when we are fully and finally with him and Christ returns. This is God's story. Every blessing in heaven given to those who are in Christ from beginning to end to the praise of his glory as a result of his love and grace, his unmerited favour towards us who are just simply extras. What do we do to deserve this? Nothing. But God is overflowing with love. He lavishes his grace upon us in Christ. Let me say to those of you who are in Christ today, you and I have only just begun to scratch the surface of how much God loves us. We have only just begun to see how great his blessings are towards us. How often do you doubt that? honestly. I know I do. How often do you forget just how much he is in control of your life? Just how good his plans are for you? Just how secure and how certain your inheritance is because you are in Christ and Jesus shares with you all of the blessings of heaven that are his. We need to recover and remember and embrace what it means to be an extra in God's story, to be found in Christ. So finally to close, let me just ask this question for us. How does the gospel become our story? Some of you today might be listening and thinking, I don't know these blessings for myself. I'm not part of this story. I'm not in Christ, but... It sounds good. I I want to be. I want to know God in this way. I want to experience life like this. Others of you may just be curious. This seems too good to be true. And maybe it's not. What's, What's the next step? Well, look what Paul says there in verse 13. You also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him. The gospel story becomes our story through a simple 
Two-step process. Hear it and believe it. Hear it and believe it. First, hear the message of truth. Yeah, you've heard it today. This good news is the good news of our salvation, says Paul here. Right now, those who are not in Christ are God's enemies. Do not experience these blessings we've heard about and face an eternity of punishment for sin in hell. But God, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves, sent Jesus to die in your place. And that changes everything. You no longer have to be an enemy. You can become a son. That is the invitation of God's story today. Hear that message. You've done that today. You can continue to do that as we, as we spend time in Ephesians over the next 12 weeks. And as you hear that, Paul says to us, believe. Simple. You don't need to do anything beyond that. That's what it means to embrace being an extra in the story of salvation. Believe it. Trust it. Trust Jesus. Become united to him. Be found in him. And his story becomes your story too. And finally, Trinity Church, this is not just a word for those who don't yet know Jesus. As we've been reflecting together, all of us have such a small view of the gospel story. Whoever we are, however long we have been in Christ, we still know so little of the blessings that are ours through our relationship with Christ. What must we do? Hear it and believe it. Meditate on these words this week. Come join us at small group on Thursday night. We're going to be uh, unpacking this first part of Ephesians and just talking together about how, how it applies to us and what it means for us uh, a little more. What does it mean for you, for example, that you're, you're, you're holy and blameless in his sight? How does that change how you think this week? How does it affect how you feel about yourself? How does it change your priorities and your goals? See, stories are powerful, aren't they? They help make sense of our lives. They answer the biggest questions we have. Who am I? What is my purpose? Where do I find my value? The gospel gives us the answers. Through faith, we are in Christ. This is our story, which we are all invited to embrace more and more. Over the next few weeks, we'll be spending time working out what it looks like with the help of God's word to us in Ephesians. And as we do that, we need God's help by his spirit. So let me close by, by praying for us and then I'll hand back to you too. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your grace to us. We thank you for the glory of your story that you have written from before the foundation of the world until its end. We thank you that you are in control of every aspect of it. We thank you that the Lord Jesus is its glorious hero and central character. And we thank you, O oh Lord, that we can share in this story. It can become our story through faith in Christ. And I pray, Lord, that we would hear it and believe it. You would help us, those of us who have heard it and believed it before, to deepen our belief in just what this story means for us. 
Lord, for those who are listening who have never heard this story before and have never believed it, God, stir faith right now in this moment, I pray. Bring another person into this story so that it can be their story too. And finally, Lord God, may we leave this place today singing your praises because all of these things are for the praise of your glory. And we give you this praise in and through Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.